Hello boys and girls. Welcome to this episode of Seeking Satya podcast where I interview entrepreneurs, artists, musicians, writers, athletes, scientists, doctors and more from eclectic fields in the hopes that we can put aside their superhuman stature and learn from their human abilities like building powerful habits, being curious, unafraid to try new things and much more. Today my guest is Deepak Saha. Deepak worked as grid modernization engineer at American Electric Power. He was a Space Grant Commission member at NASA and in 2018 he was selected for Forbes 30 under 30. Deepak, thanks very much for taking the time. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Awesome. Um I'm so excited to talk to you today. There's so many things I want to cover um but really wanted to start out all the way back. Take us a little bit <laughs> in the time machine if you will. Um so originally from Delhi. India, yeah, uh, yeah, so I was born and brought up in in Delhi. Um always been a Delhi boy myself, but I kind of um I've and this is like the story of my life where uh, I feel like I'm from everywhere and nowhere. Uh because my parents are from West Bengal and my upbringing has had a strong Bengali influence in that regard. Um so my home was always kind of like a small Bengali oasis in the middle of uh <laughs> Punjabi and and Jhar Delhi uh, yeah. and all my friends were from different regions uh, an equal percentage from the south of India from the west from the east from the north oh. so um it was very easy for me to like uh, kind of pretend to be anyone <laughs> when i went to <laughs> hang out with my friends and parties and stuff and uh, uh i feel like my appearance is not typically anything from any region uh, specifically yeah. i've been <laughs> i've been told that you, yeah I, I, it's kind of like i could be anything <laughs> yeah. and and that has uh, that has held water even in international scenarios i've been confused for being mexican uh, middle eastern so on and so forth so <laughs> so that's the, yeah um, yeah bengali upbringing but in in delhi born and brought up in delhi Cool. How how was it growing up uh, as a kid in Delhi? Uh, did um, you Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Uh were there um like I like to see the perspective of how was Tita growing up? Was he like the studious acing every subject kind of kid or always playing cricket on the grounds or very mischievous? What was Tita like? I I was never 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 a good student. I will maintain that till the day I die and I have the marks to prove it so it's not just like me being modest. <laughs> I think I got a 34 in math in in my 12 boards so I I think that conclusively proves it that I'm not smart. Definitely not as smart as you. I looked up uh, your profile on LinkedIn and I'm like okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to own up to my uh, <laughs> my side of the story from the start. Um no, I was never a, a very um I'll tell you what though like I wasn't a good student in in the framework of uh, academia that right. India presents it, it's um, the it's the normal so called good student that's not you yeah yeah I'm not a good yeah. student academically but I yeah. am a good learner yeah. um I I know my strengths and weaknesses I um I was always interested in in you know what's happening beyond the classroom and that kind of mm-hmm. took away a lot of my focus from what's happening inside the classroom and which you know you you need a certain kind of focus to do well uh, in any kind of academia not just in, in the indian scenario um but yeah so i never got uh, really good grades or like i was never top of my class or anything like that <laughs> um and uh, if you were my teacher you would have been very justified in in uh not believing that i would <laughs> ever amount to anything <laughs> um 
so yeah, um, it's it it's fun. It was fun though uh, because I think I made a very conscious choice. Um, I knew what the cons of not being good academically and not having those marks on the paper or those stamps of approval would lead to in life. They would lead to wow. some kinds of hardship, and that's true. Um, and I knew the cost, and I was willing to pay it because um, I think, as you can see, I'm sitting in my. Uh, family library right uh, we converted our living room into like this massive library uh, because we uh, have always been interested in learning as as a unit as, as a family i got that from my parents um ah. so i i i feel like life is too short to <laughs> to not go out there and learn about anything and everything that you possibly can um yep. so that's what i focused on and uh, i was willing to pay, pay the consequences <laughs> so it was fun it wasn't bad it wasn't bad. And this, I am reminded of, I think it was Richard Branson's teacher when I remember reading it in his um, biography, like uh, his teacher was saying, you would either end up in jail or you become something. Was, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's the same year. And, and the funny yeah. thing is he said, I actually did both. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I can definitely relate to that. Uh, I've, I've had multiple encounters <laughs> you know, on the where I've been caught on the wrong foot, let's uh, put, it, put it like that. Uh, and um, I, was, I was never unintelligent, but uh, yeah, I was definitely getting into trouble a lot, uh, you know, uh, and uh, definitely playing hooky uh, from school. Um, yeah. Just Any particular? Mm, no, actually, I was, I was very distracted uh, and I still uh, am. Uh, and I just, um, if I see something shiny, I have to follow it down the rabbit hole. I just... I, I get like physical <laughs> reactions if I don't know something. Um, so I remember this one time, this is an actual story. It just sounds so weird now, <laughs> but I was actually going to school and I saw a, a shop uh, mm -hmm. that had some kind of a weird signage on, on top. Right. And I didn't understand what it meant. And I just went in and I started talking to the shopkeeper mm -hmm. and uh, we just started discussing his entire line of business. He was in some kind of import oh. export and I didn't understand what those terms meant. So I just spent the day talking to that person and I forgot about school. And then, uh, yeah, I got one of those, uh, red, uh, penalty cards right. for not for skipping school or something, but it, you know, that's what I'm, that's what I mean. I, I, it's worth it for me. Wow. Just, uh, yeah. That's, that's really, um, yeah. So you were just following your curiosity and, you know, yeah, I guess. you're yeah. learning. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, and you were like a teenager or something at the time. Just yeah, I was, <laughs> I think I was in, I was in uh, grade eight. Wow. I, I believe, wow. And, and uh, I'm, I, I can tell you with, with certainty one thing that there's a lot of uh, 12th class people who graduate class 12 without knowing what import and export is. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's yeah. not a total loss. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, um, this is really um, one fun side of you learning, learning about how you followed your curiosity. And I mean, yeah, curiosity the cat, they say, but <laughs> you're here. <laughs> and that's, that's actually more fun, uh, uh, you know, following curiosity and learning. I think that's the key thing you're talking about. Like learning it, has always been. Yeah. A, it's funny that you bring that uh, that uh, saying of curiosity kill the cat because that's actually not the full saying. Uh, that's only half of the saying. The other half, basically, the gist of which says that, but it made the cat's life so much more satisfactory. <laughs> so the meaning has actually changed over the ages. If you follow the etymological yeah. roots of that saying, it was originally meant to inspire curiosity, not 
ward people to off scare from people away. Yeah. So yeah, that's the. I mean, that's and that is actually an interesting thing that sort of the world sort of beats people up yeah. on things that they believe in. And uh, for good or bad, majority of the world just wants to fit into the box and yeah. not take risks and not try things. And which is, you know, which is also fine. And this is something I've I've come to terms with. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to no, cut you that's off. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is something I've just come to term, terms with in in the last maybe two or three years. I mm-hmm. I used to kind of kind of like look at people who are not like me as if they were doing something wrong in life or they, yep. I don't know, lack ambition or something. But I've come to realize it's not that. It's it's your choice. Yeah. And if you're following your choice and if you're willing to pay the consequences of that choice, because there are always consequences, um, then it's fine. Do whatever, you know, uh, makes you happy. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with either way in life. Like I have, I have, I've had to give up a lot of things, you know, um, there's a lot of sacrifices made down the road, which other mm-hmm. people have not. And they're happy with their lives. I'm happy with the choices I've made. And as long as you're happy at the end of the day, uh, it's all good. That's what matters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then from, from there, uh, did you um, study all the way through college in Delhi or do you, it looks like you've moved to uh, Udupi? Manipal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I actually, um, I started applying to go um, abroad uh, to, ah. to the US um, before I even graduated class 12. Um, I don't know, I always fancied going there because I, I felt like the education system there was more hands-on, more practical in nature, and that would probably fit me better, my yeah. mode of learning. So um, I was intended to go there and I had applied. I got into uh, a very large assortment of schools but uh, if you remember at that time there was um, the recession that that hit and uh, you know scholarships were being pulled back and and all of that happened um, and in my first try I actually first round like right after I graduated 12th I didn't even apply to any of the IITs or you know I had, I had applied to DU but I didn't get in because you know 34 in math <laughs> so, um, so yeah so I, I just decided to drop a year because I didn't have the financial strength to just you know go for four years yep. and then I found this wonderful program uh, at Manipal University which is called ICAS International Center mm-hmm. for Applied Sciences basically a two plus two program where you do two years in India and then depending on your grades you get to transfer out um, to, to whatever you get accepted basically um, so oh, yeah ICAS so so is actually uh, sort of like a joint um, venture sort of between Manipal and then outside India universities. Outside India. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's a there's a list of partner universities as well uh, with, with whom they have MOUs and and partnerships and and uh, stuff like that. But uh, also because in India the 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 structure of of um, the bachelor's degree is quite different from the West. Um, for example, yeah. the GPA point scale is different. We have a 10-point scale. They have a four-point scale. So transferring credits and transferring the educational requirements becomes very hard. So what the ICAS program was, they had modeled it based on the West. They, we had a 4.0 GPA system, the same classes, etc. So when it came time to transfer out, you didn't, you weren't only limited to the MOU universities. You could practically apply anywhere in, the, in Australia, in the States, in the UK, mm. um, anywhere that was more international. So, um, yeah, it was a pretty good program and gave me a lot of choices. So, uh, just went yeah. for it. Yeah. Oh, there was a, there was a big move for you going from Delhi to, uh, the Western guards. 
I actually, you know what? Actually, a lot of people have asked me that. Um, but before that, in I think in this was in class eleventh, I had actually gone to Japan on a student exchange program, uh-huh. um, and that also happened because I just wanted to skip math class. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot has happened because I'm bad at math in my life. <laughs> so the, um, the the lesson life lesson is avoid math, so you'll get into some interesting <laughs> things in life. <laughs> They, I was in. I, I still remember this day. I was in math class, and and uh, this announcement came through that uh, certain X Y Z organization had come. They wanted to talk to people who want to apply for this student exchange program. Anyone who's, in, who's interested, they're in the principal's office. So I just mm. got up and left. Oh. <laughs> so I just went and talked to them. They said, "Sure, fill in your application." I filled up the application. I went to Japan. That's basically wow. it. Dumb luck. Wow. Um, so yeah, that. So Manipal was not the first time I had. been by myself in a foreign environment um so i don't think i i ever had that uh, kind of transitional phase where i missed home something like that um but yeah um definitely a change um you know uh, but if again it comes back to learning right if you if you're interested in learning about anything and everything that life throws at you then you just like you're happy with changes you don't you don't fear change right yeah and and um i noticed i think in one of the uh, articles about you um you had some sort of um painting competition done in icas and you'd won something for like a president's award or something for that can, can you share something about that story what what was it and why was it interesting okay. <laughs> so um yeah it's 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 a little embarrassing but okay so um, <laughs> tell me more <laughs> um okay so so painting for me has always been um my first love in life um so it's it's just something i don't really advertise i don't tell people it's just my thing you know everyone has a thing yeah. um so it's just my thing and yeah in when i was in school um you know just like every other kid i was pushed into like competitions and stuff but when i was a teenager i started developing my own like voice and resistance and I, i could actually speak up to people like no i don't want to go to competitions because this is for me i don't i don't want to like mm. i don't want to peddle it i don't want yeah. to go to exhibitions or art competitions so i stopped doing all of that um so i just painted and and for myself um then in college <laughs> there's this poster um that said uh, there's this uh, painting competition and uh, the, the i think the prize money was like 1000 rupees which at that time was a lot <laughs> for a broke college kid um, <laughs> right so um, my friend uh, she kind of forced me um, <laughs> to to go and and paint and uh, it it was and and i'm being as as we go through this this uh, this talk uh, this conversation you'll realize that i am not a modest man <laughs> so when i say that that was the worst painting i have ever made i am oh. telling you the 100% god honest truth <laughs> so <laughs> interesting yeah uh, just getting uh, i guess showing up is half the battle they say huh i guess i mean that's when i learned like if you if you don't ask you have a 100% chance of not receiving if you ask you have a 50% chance i you know wow. <laughs> nice um, nice So I just went and I did something, and I won at the local level where where the prize money actually was. I got my thousand bucks. I was very happy, and I went away and I forgot about it. So what happened was that painting got pushed to the next level, which was the district level. It won there. It, this was all happening oh. without my knowledge. 
So yeah, it went up to the district level, then the state level, then it went and won at the national level. And then, yeah, I got a government award, uh, the national award for art or something somewhere over there. Uh, it, it's, it's like my eternal uh, source of shame that I won anything <laughs> for that uh, piece of crap. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. It's um, like you said, your first love is art. And I'm trying to think of like, um, what um, made you get into art? Just curious. I mean, was it in your family or did you find it interesting because you could explore imagine things i don't i you know i can't really honestly answer that question because i i don't know uh, because I, i so to say i picked up my brushes before i was even before i even remember right like yeah. i don't have memories from that time so it was like two years old playing with crayons drawing on the house walls uh, yeah. three years old picking up brushes yeah so i don't really remember exactly when my parents keep telling me stories of like yeah. oh when you get used to this and that but i don't really remember consciously uh, doing anything um but yes my family definitely has had a large influence on on my um wanting to do that um not that any of them are artists <laughs> but it's just like we have that bent of mind yeah. appreciation for art so and you know people used to come over to my house so my dad is a teacher and he had colleagues um who some of whom were art teachers who would come over and i would just like i guess i would just imbibe from the atmosphere i don't think it was a conscious choice so yeah got it got it and since you brought it up just briefly touching on your influence or your parents influence on you your mm-hmm. dad was a teacher um and can you share a little bit about like what um they are like like what influence they had on you sure yeah i mean massive huge um i uh, i maintain this and i will maintain this till kingdom come that anything and everything good in me is is from them and everything bad has been picked up by myself uh, yours truly <laughs> um but yeah so i think one I, just to summarize it to make it concise um i think the one thing that really shows who they are is that they've never asked me or told me uh, or directed me to do anything in life they've just wow. showed me so for example my mom and dad they would come back from from their respective offices uh, from work and we didn't have a tv in the house till uh, i guess i was in class 11 mm. a because you know it wasn't the environment like so they would come back from work and they would read books no. right as it they didn't ask me to read books i was free to do whatever i wanted right but when a child is growing up and he sees his mom and dad who are at that point at least their his ideals right like this is okay this is what adults do this is what i want to mimic in life yeah. uh, from a psychology point of view as well um you see that and you start mimicking that behavior and soon you know it's part of you so uh, yeah. i guess show don't tell <laughs> you know right. as in business um i think that's that's the greatest thing that they've ever done because i'm pretty sure if they had asked me to um do x y or z i'm i'm that uh, arrogant bullheaded person that i would have gone the opposite way <laughs> <laughs> so yeah <laughs> uh yeah that's a great um yeah great uh, lesson i mean show don't tell i i think it's um pretty tempting and easy to sort of tell people what to do not necessarily do yeah. right i mean walk the walk talk the talk yeah um, yeah definitely yeah, but you learn more from observing what people are actually doing 
Yeah, exactly. People are saying, yeah, very interesting. And then uh, just switching a gear a little bit. So you've um, went to Manipal, we're doing your uh, undergrad, and then you uh, moved to US, I think, uh, to do your uh, undergrad, like continue this two-year program there, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, Uh, the last two years, yeah. Got it, last two years of your undergrad. And um, so you you were at uh, Drexel, uh, Drexel University, Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just to fast forward a little bit, um, you sort of took some passion or some interest uh, mm-hmm. in this whole electric uh, or grid uh, modernization. Right. Talk a little bit about that. I definitely don't want to get too nerdy, but love to sure. uh, understand like what made you go in that direction. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of like a long story. Like you said, it's, 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 it's an evolution rather than like a decision made in one point at time. Um, but I, I guess this starts in 2012. Uh, there were, I, I don't know if you remember if you were in India or if you read about it, but there were like massive rolling blackouts in Northern India. And it was like one of the worst, um, the world had seen in, in quite some time. Yep. And, um, you know, um, I, I didn't, like I said, I didn't grow up in the best financial situation. Um, and that's nothing to be hidden. I've always maintained that. It's, it's who I am. It's shaped a lot of me. Um, but yeah, it does, when you're growing up in that environment and you you, you learn that there are some things that we, um, as citizens of various countries, we have come to accept that they are luxuries while they really should not be. Yep. Uh, we are willing to pay a premium for services that really should not be paid uh, premiums for right. because they are in this modern day and age, they are as, um, as much of a necessity as, as air and water. Um, so, um, so, you know, we had some losses during, during that period and that kind of pushed me towards seeing, okay, what's happening? How, why is this still a thing? Uh, in this century, um, how can it be done better? Is is there something that can be done better, or is, are people just doing their best? Because you know you have to go in with an open mind, right? Like maybe yeah, people are trying their best. Maybe there are some situations that can't be solved. I don't believe that in any case, but you still have to go in with an open mind. And I found that there were massive rooms for improvement, uh, and so that's how I started investigating this this whole uh, arena. Um, and then I went to the states. Um, and uh, then uh, I, I got uh, invited to do a research, a student research project with, with NASA's um, Pennsylvania Space Grant Commission. Um, and I got trapped by the, you know, the, the, <laughs> the glory and the luxury of that tag. So I started uh, doing some energy research in space systems, thinking that would be my career and oh. it would be great. Uh, but then, you know, a year, year and a half later, I kind of like, I remembered why I started on this path. So I, for my first job, I actually started, I went back and I started applying to um, uh, utility companies um, Mm. and uh, I I got um, selected to run the grid modernization program at one of the largest utilities um, in the States. Um, They're uh, operational out of the Midwest and a bit of the South um, and they're pretty big. And at that point they were, they had just started the investigation into how to modernize the electric grid. Uh, because again, you have to understand that the electric grid, and again, not to get too nerdy, yeah. but it's one of the most amazing pieces of engineering that the world has seen, but it 
was created at a time and it hasn't been updated since almost 100 years it was mm-hmm. created at a time when the needs of the population were very different from the needs today so it hasn't evolved with the needs of the consumers and and the psychology of the consumers um so nowadays systems are breaking uh, as as one would expect and it's not living up to the demand so it needs to be modernized it needs to be rethought for the next century um and with that comes a whole host of other subdomain problems like climate change uh, renewable energy electric vehicles sure. how do you incorporate all of this into that rethinking so that's kind of what i did for about 2 years so yeah got it and that that um i think that was a launching pad to um you getting into more of like um doing more research in that area uh i think mm-hmm. you were part of some um aep spark cognition contest or something like that as well probably if i'm not mistaken yeah um, yeah so they had an internal competition uh um and it was pretty massive and uh, uh, the project idea that my boss and i entered together um along with a couple other people we we had a team our team's idea I, you know went through to the finals it was it was nice it. um the, the the thing with with competitions is that it's not about the prize or or the the glory of winning the competition or losing the competition or anything like that it's about validation when your when your goal is to implement certain solutions it's a very good testing ground if is their product market fit you know uh, is is are people willing to listen to your idea then you're probably on the right track mm-hmm. you know no idea is great at the first try but you know it's it's yeah. sparks validation so yeah and so, so that, actually that's a nice segue into like your initial vision for this project mm-hmm. was what was it like grid modernization that that sounds um pretty <laughs> yeah daunting i mean like what was this i mean how do you envision or how did you envision changing a 100 year old industry uh, i mean <laughs> i mean you kind of hit the nail on the head right like <laughs> so i think i think that's uh, i was just answering this question for the first 3 months to 4 months of my job uh, because so you have to understand i when i got this job i'm a 24 year old kid who's just yeah. got on on out of college i know nothing right <laughs> about me right um so I, i so i've always maintained that you know um at least one third of my job which which is the part i loved was actually getting to know uh, about stuff and that's as uh, simply as i can put it <laughs> yep. you know just talking to people in the industry who are doing uh, projects in in this arena who've done projects in this arena internationally reading papers researching mm-hmm. um you know all the r and d that goes into figuring out a plan for a massive company going forward for a 10 year plan right it's not just like one year you you mess up and then you can <laughs> get <it> fixed <laughs> the next yep. day it's not yep. it's a 10 year plan so you have to be spot on with uh, everything so a major part of that was learning uh, that that was the first step and then uh, you know we use segment it into um, sizable chunks uh, where you you look at the major problems and one thing that i would like to um say here is that the electric grid is kind of like a living organism um in the way it behaves so every geography is very different it has its own set of particular problems you know mm-hmm. um uh, for example if you go to alabama and you try to use drones um to monitor your transmission lines they will get shot down uh, uh, that does not happen in california um 
just a point of observation, no yeah. judgment here uh, yeah. to each their own. <laughs> yeah. But uh, um, so, so yeah, so, uh, you know, it, it's actually not just technology. It's also a, a mix of people, geographies and the technology. So when it all comes together, it have, you have a certain set of problems. So I was looking at some of the regions in the Midwest, uh, which I had the responsibility for, and I looked at their particular problems and then I categorized them. Okay, these three problems may be solved by putting sensors on power lines. These three problems might be solved by uh, increasing uh, battery storage, um, yep. you know, helping renewables. Uh, so on and so forth. So you categorize them, you, you, you try to like wrap your head around this massive problem. And then, you know, the third phase is obviously finding good ven vendors and, and technologies, which can actually support the implementation part of it. So, um, sorry, there's a mosquito here. <laughs> it's India, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, so those are basically the three phases that I went through uh, in this job. And this is all part of being uh, an employee at American Electric yeah. Power. And yeah, so yeah. Uh, that, that is very interesting. I mean, is that uh, typical of, um, I would have imagined that this industry is like this dinosaur sort of a thing. But it what is. you're talking about is like very innovative, very entrepreneurial. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. And I, I, I think um, I lucked into, again, a lot of my life has been just dumb luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think a lot of it was just... Uh, being at the right place at the Opportunity right time. Opportunity preparation, yeah. Right, yeah. The, com the company was looking to start a program like this. They were looking for a non-traditional person, not from the industry, to kind of lead the charge on this, yeah. come in with a fresh mindset and, and you know, not be bogged down by some of the industry thought processes that existed. So my boss specifically made this position for me where I reported directly to him and then you know, everyone upwards in upper management. This is obviously not the case for any young engineer walking in. And so right. I, as I'm hugely indebted to my boss. He's one of my best friends now. Um, you know, we uh, shoot the shit <laughs> a lot yeah. of the time. We, um, we reminisce about the good old days where <laughs> we just spent like days on days, you know, just whiteboarding stuff out uh, because this was so nebulous to start with that, you know, both of us were figuring out what needs to be done. Mm. Um, every day was different coming into the yeah. office, you know? So yeah, it was uh, one part luck, one part, a lot of hard work, um, definitely. Um, but yeah. Yeah. The brief uh, that I saw on um, Forbes 30 under 30 uh, was that the spark cognition award or something is was yeah, part of the blurb uh, i'm not sure how much of that is um has influenced you getting selected to the 30 under 30 but that must have been just the tip of the iceberg um but um, <laughs> um <clears throat> just a quick one on that we won't talk too much about the 30 under 30 i think it's a great milestone mm -hmm. and i'm sure like you mentioned uh, you know you know um it's an overnight success that took 30 years or whatever but um um what has changed for you um, before and after the Forbes? How are you different? And have you mm. actually taken something away from that? Has it changed your life in any way? Yeah, I get a lot more Instagram friend requests now. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, and Facebook messages. Um, yeah. But apart from that, no, no, I'm, I'm just kidding, obviously. Um, I, I think in one word, it's, it's access. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, 
so so the 30 under 30 title uh, and i keep this short because um i'm not too fond of talking about that because it's not it's i like talking about things i've done i yeah. i don't like talking about things that were given to me <laughs> while i'm definitely honored uh, by the award it's not something i did you know yeah. it's just it's nice to have but yeah um so uh, in in short um i think an honorary award like that which, which is well known across the world uh, what it does it it opens up doors and gives you access that you might previously not have had which yeah. is the best thing you can give anyone who's working towards anything right um it, it it gives you sort of validation an external unbiased third party validation that okay this guy may be right or wrong in what he's doing but he's definitely worth listening to mm-hmm. so when i walk into rooms now at least i get that 15 minutes uh, of of being listened to and yeah. I, I i i've always maintained you know i'm i'm wrong about 90% of the time right uh, and that's me being modest <laughs> 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 uh i i'm wrong about 90% of the time um, but the 10% of the time when i am um it, it's usually worth listening to so uh, you know uh, and given the whole age factor which is which is a problematic uh, you know uh, notion that people all across the world have regardless of of country or, or politics or whatever if they see a young person and the first instinct is like oh you need more experience um, yeah. come back when you have like 30 more years <laughs> and while that is that holds some value in 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 its own um that's not true for everything and everywhere uh, there's a lot of young people I, you know i will say this uh, completely honestly i am not even comparable to some of the young people i've met mm-hmm. uh, on this list or otherwise um through my journey um there's 16 years old uh, you know there's a 16 year old girl who has i, I don't know like five patents mm-hmm. um so, so stuff like that right like so i'm definitely pro listening to young people uh and i i don't mean myself but if me walking towards that and me getting this validation shows other young people that okay you know if you work hard you can be listened to uh, if that is possible then that is definitely a worthy a worthy award for me yep yeah absolutely and that's yeah um what i'm hearing is that like your um sort of horizon of people and organizations and other things that sort of opened up because right. of um being on this um in, on this list but it's again what you do with it obviously is um yeah is up yeah, to you yeah. and um and definitely looks like you've made uh, some tremendous um use of that um in terms of like going from that research mode of modernizing mm-hmm. grid as part of ap um what was the next step that like you actually try to commercialize it did you you and your boss like um, no 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 so that was completely different from what I, I did after that so yeah i just after two years i kind of felt like um so i had a friend who who uh, he and i actually landed upon an idea that we were working nights on you know just like uh, just like a thing we had in our heads like uh, he came with uh, one half of a solution and yeah. i came with the other half and then we were just like we would come back from work and just stay up all night just you know talking about it and that's that's how like good things start right <laughs> yeah so um so then it just developed to a point where 
we were like, man, this is too important. Hmm. If it is right, then it is too important to not to try to fail at. So we wanted to fail at it. That was always the intent. Um, wasn't to make a million dollars overnight or right. you know we, we were way too old and have been through way too much shit to believe in that fairy tale <laughs> but um so yeah so my problem was and as i'm sure you well know the visa system in in the states it only allows you to have one job at a time yeah um which is a rant for another day <laughs> another time but um yeah it's uh, it's kind of messed up the visa system there so i I had to make a decision at that time. Uh, I could uh, either stay at my AP job, which was comfortable, cushy. And at that point, you know, with the Forbes thing and the Spark Tank thing, I was doing well for myself. I was uh, on fast track for, you know, yeah. um, whatever it uh, is up there in the upper floors. Right? <laughs> so uh, it could have, been, could have been a great career, uh, could have been a mm-hmm. safe career. Because again, you know, I was being, uh, I was taking care of my family at that point. So financially, that was a risk as well, leaving a cushy job. And uh, starting a startup for of, of you know of everything that I could have done. Yeah, <laughs> I I took the most risky option. So, but again, like I said, the idea was too good to not to try to fail at. So I just left my job. I started my company, mm. my friend as co-founders, and uh, yeah, that's uh, is that um, uh, trolleses. Tro- is that trolleses? Okay, got it, yeah, got it. And what was the initial the germ of an idea there that got you started? So, yeah, we actually just uh, met through mutual friends, my co-founder mm-hmm. and I. And uh, the the mutual uh, interest was, um, so you remember I said that in 2012, I started looking at how we can better things on the yeah. grid. Uh, and one of those things that I was pursuing in my own personal time since 2012 was uh, increasing our capability for you know storing cleaner fuels and, and uh, energy storage. And hydrogen is is more of an energy uh, carrier than anything else. I, you know, it is a great tool, but it is actually an energy carrier. And so that was one of the things I've been looking at. And I realized that, you know, some of the problems were in the manufacturing chain um, and the supply chain, uh, which is why it could not compete with traditional fuels, fossil fuels, etc. Uh, plus, it was being produced from dirty sources like natural gas produces 95% of the world's hydrogen consumption. So, you know, anything, any clean fuel made from a dirty fuel is a dirty fuel. <laughs> so, um, so, that, so he came in with a solution. I came in with one half of the solution. And uh, so we just, uh, we actually landed upon a way to make the hydrogen in a very clean, uh, very efficient, uh, very cost efficient way. And uh, we just wanted to try that out. So. And you you um, built a team around this, or and how did you go about getting people excited about this and finding that uh, initial customers, product market? Right, market? right. So, so I've and I've said this before in some other interview. I, I can't really remember where, but um, we were lucky that we didn't need to actually find good people for this because I, I guess like when you're doing something good that yeah. a lot of people are passionate about, um, they find you. Um, and you know, a lot of the best employees that we had, um, I, I don't like calling them employees because we never had that structure. It's, it's started everyone's just doing their job, right? Like yep. I have a job, my CMO, Annie, she has a job to do, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it's not an employer employee relationship, but a lot of the people that we worked with, um, 
they just found us, you know, through mutual contacts or this and that, and something like, hey, uh, <laughs> I heard about you guys. I saw some of your interviews. I'm really excited about what you're doing. Can we get on a phone call? And then that person becomes XYZ in the company, you know? So it's, it's, it's very like that in, in a startup, I, I guess. And that's one of the things I really like. You, you find, people find you uh, yeah. if you're doing something that they like um, and they want to help. So, um, and as for customers, I guess a lot of things uh, had to be done from our end because uh, the industry wasn't, and I don't think it, it still isn't quite ready um, to, to put, the, put its money where its mouth is, um, <laughs> to put it mildly. So, um, yeah, a lot of work went into that, a lot of conversations, six month uh, conversations, you know, just uh, getting on the phone every day, calling people up. Uh, understanding their problems and trying to show them that our solution is the best way to to kind of you know overcome the problems that they're having mm -hmm. and even people who are excited about it sometimes um you know that's that's how the corporate world works right so yeah. um they're, they're very hesitant to put money on on something that's untested yeah um, part of the ethos that we had when we were building out this tech was that um if if it isn't made for uh uh the more unfortunate classes of people, then it is not revolutionary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so good design and good technology uh, should be made um, for anyone and everyone. There should be an option for them. It shouldn't be optionless. So the way we designed our tech, it, it actually helps um, run small clusters of micro micro grids, which are excellent uh, deployments for uh, rural places, villages and small towns and cities. And uh, the, the thing itself is powered from, from trash aluminum that's collected um, mm -hmm. from the environment that has gone outside the economy chain. And it's actually creating an uh, incentive for people to bring that back in. So, you know, we see so many, um, so much waste. Uh, and so this kind of tackles both of them, the waste problem and the energy generation problem. So it's energy from waste. Uh, and I think that's a perfect slice of application that goes into some of the areas that some of the problems that uh, I faced myself and uh, I've read about ever since in sub-Saharan Africa, Indian villages, uh, even you know parts of China and so on and so forth. So. Cool. And so far, everything seems hunky-dory. I mean, just curious if um, there were things where <laughs> when you felt like uh you you're insane and uh you know um, just yeah. trying to understand if there were some dark moments just along the way <laughs> it's <laughs> where should i start <laughs> 90 percent of this journey is dark uh and and this is a joke that i make with with uh, my friends uh and i guess it's appropriate here is that you know when i get invited to um present talks and stuff um let's say like i was i was invited to speak at a few IITs last year and I keep thinking when I'm on the stage I look at the audience and I look at their bright shiny happy faces right like <laughs> they're excited to go out into the world and, and yeah you know, uh, <laughs> and, yeah. yeah and I and I and I'm thinking while I'm presenting my talk and I'm thinking what if I went off script right now and I really told them what really goes on 90% of the days because what I talk <laughs> about in interviews and podcasts and and wherever is it's it's just 10 percent <laughs> yeah you know so 90 percent of the days is just 
tearing your hair out. I've lost weight. I've uh, spat out blood in the shower uh, after having uh, a three-day uh, putting out the fires session across the country in the States. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of late nights. It's a lot of blood, sweat, tears, and and you know, it starts affecting people you love. And that's always the hardest part because you, they would never say anything, but uh, it, you know, you don't want them to make to be pulled into the sacrifice. It's fine as long as you you yeah. go a day without eating and you go a day without sleeping. But um, you know, when you have to send money home and you're bootstrapping a company and you're not pulling a salary for yourself and it's a saving, so you can't send anything home. And yeah. you know, <laughs> you open that Skype window <laughs> and you talk to them Saturday morning and you're just like sitting there in shame, just like, oh my God, what have I done? Right. So um, yeah. Wow. Um, Wow. It's, 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 been, it's, been, it's been a tough journey and it always is. Anyone who's ever doing a startup right um, will agree with this. It's, it's definitely not fun. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, what tips or any tools, tactics you've used during those dark times? I mean, that sort of keep you going. Yeah. I mean, so this is, this is kind of like a... a a post-mortem analysis of, uh, you know, after the fact, because uh, I was definitely not wise enough to do this, but this is <laughs> the one way that you can deal with this is have good people around you and yeah. open to them, you know, um, mm. because, because of uh, my childhood or the journey that I've been on, I've pretty much always been sort of like a closed off independent person, you know, like, uh, uh-huh. uh-huh, I, I'll do it. I'll, I'll deal it. with it. Yep. find a solution um but you 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 literally cannot do everything yourself so f- find good people have them around in your life and and trust them you know sometimes you as a founder you get into that mentality where like oh i got to do this and i got to do this and i got to do that right. because i want quality checks on everything right <laughs> and it's this is my baby i want everything to be perfect sometimes things don't need to be perfect that's yeah. that's the sad truth. And sometimes if you give it to someone else, they might actually do it better than you because mm-hmm. you're not the best at everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a rude awakening. But, yeah, yeah. But you, it's you true, right? You <laughs> like you know everything about everything. But that's, that's not how it's supposed to be, right? So yeah. if you're hiring a, a, a chief marketing officer, you should not, if you're hiring the right person, then you should not know marketing better than her. Right. <laughs> she should right. know like uh, like Steve Jobs, I think said we 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 hire people so that they'll tell us what to do, not we tell them what yeah. to do. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and and it's kind of it. It sounds like a simple thing, but like think about anything you've done in your life that you were passionate about. Like it may just be like a school project. You wanted to dot the i's and cross the t's yourself. You wanted to choose the kind of paper you're writing on yourself, you know, because you wanted it to be perfect. And that just gets amplified 10 times, 100 times when you're running a company where people are affected by your work. Um, so I guess one good way of relieving the stress is to delegate. It is to trust people. It is to open up to family and friends. And um, yeah, I wish I had done it. Uh, would have <laughs> <Sooner> <laughs> helped. Uh, but I didn't. So. Was, were, were there any... Um people like issues with having that building the trust i mean were there anything that you learned there in terms of um trusting people delegating yeah definitely um i can think of 
a few instances uh, within the company itself internally and also externally in my own personal life but um, internally in the company um, you know there were issues where I, I felt like again this is a post-mortem analysis uh, where things did not end well and I felt like I keep I kept thinking I, I still keep thinking what I could have done differently and you know sometimes you have to accept that sometimes it's not you Sometimes it's not your fault. Sometimes um, people are just meant to go different ways. People are just unwilling to see your point of view. And as a founder, uh, and this is just advice to anyone who's wanting to start a company, um, everyone, including yourself and your opinions, are expendable as compared to the end goal. Set the end goal for the day, for the week, for the month, for the year, for the company. And then if your opinion is good for the end goal, then stick to it. If you come across an opinion from someone who's, even if they're being rude or arrogant or whatever, if their opinion is right for the company in the long run, accept that. Say you're sorry, you're wrong. But anyone and everyone in the company is expendable as long as the goal is being achieved including yourself. And I guess the best founders are those who can make the judgment call between those two, like whose opinion is expendable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter who is right, as long as you get to the right goal. Yeah. Right. Who gets the credit is not that important. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, other people won't won't see it that way. You know, yeah. sometimes people do come in with an ego because they have been successful in their lives. So um, when you're a 25, 26 year old trying to like, you know, wrangle uh, a 35 year old ultra successful person, then yeah, it, you know, tensions do flare up. And at that point you do have to make a call and sometimes it gets ugly. <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's lots of, uh, lots, there's lots of situations in every startup, uh, similar stories that you hear everywhere. Yeah. Hey, wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. I think it's very important to surround yourself with the people, delegate, trust, and yeah. yeah, and when when you go through, uh, sometimes, yeah. like you said, yeah, sometimes, yeah, things may not work out the way you want, but you just move on. Yeah. Um, in terms of, um, yeah. yeah, like, do do you? It's, uh, yeah, sorry, people go extreme in the way. No, no, I was just saying people go extreme in either ways. Either they become too self-sacrificing or they become too, uh, you know, harsh and yeah. you kind of have to find the balance. But yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to ask you, like, um, do you? Uh, have any such routines where like that helps you think and clarify like clearly like sort of maybe running or meditate i don't know i mean (laughs) things that sort of clear your mind up and in situations like that where you're asking yourself am i being egoistic here or am i actually looking out for the company right well i I i don't think i have anything um like a set routine or thing that i do uh, yeah, it's it's because again, you know, uh, that your life becomes so unpredictable. You don't know where you'll be in that moment and situation, right? Like you might just have walked out of a client meeting and your head's yeah. spinning, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it really depends on where you're at, whether you're in your house or somewhere else or at a family dinner, whatever can happen in, in any situation. So it just, I think one thing that works best for me is isolation. Just I just remove myself from from. Mm people or whatever and I just like go find a quiet spot by myself I maybe have a cup of coffee 
um, just listen to music or just do something that doesn't remind me of that situation because yeah. I feel like I'm a better subconscious thinker um, than a conscious in these situations because I'm not good with emotions and uh, emotions might tend to mess with your decision making. So I, yeah. I have to get rid of that first. So I have to replace it with another set of emotions first. Mm-hmm. So maybe I listen to some some music or just sure. watch something or YouTube video or something. I just take myself out of that situation and replace it with something else, and then come back to it. I guess. Cool. Yeah, I think that's a good tip. I mean, just to get yourself out of that it's situation. It's just a good tip, right? though. It's not something it might, that I have right. to follow hundred percent in my life. <laughs> I, have been, I have a abysmal failure rate in uh, at doing this. <laughs> That's yeah. good. That's good. Um, hey, I want to quickly jump on. I, I want to check with you if you had a few minutes to go over. Sure, sure. Okay, yeah, awesome. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, um, just to close on this and just want to jump on where you are at right now. Um, where, uh, what's the sort of like the utopian moonshot view of trolysis? What, what do you think? Like if it all worked out as you planned, what would you see the world? Uh, well, the aim was always to start with uh, the decarbonization of of um, the industrial hydrogen usage industry, uh, the merchant hydrogen industry. So um, the ideal utopian moonshot view would be that, uh, would Got be it. us uh, providing those clean hydrogen production solutions to a lot of the large industries who've been polluting through uh, manufacturing or using hydrogen that's made from natural gas. And that was always the first stage target. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really could not tell you because we don't, we don't, I, at least I don't, I don't think that way. I don't think um, 50 years into the future. And I definitely do not uh, think in a utopian manner. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pessimistic that way. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm a weird mixture. I'm, I'm, I'm a pessimist with the high and lofty goals. So it doesn't, it, it's, it's very weird being in my head sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, and right now, like, like I've um, told you um, uh, outside of this chat is um, I've kind of taken a break from, mm-hmm. from trolysis now uh, because I had to move back to India. And uh, while I wasn't looking for a- anything, I just wanted to take a break. Yep. I actually met some really, really, really cool people and they are running the startup. They have been for some years now, mm-hmm. uh, I think four or five years uh, called Atlin. And uh, yeah, anyone listening to this, please do give them a check out because imagine me after running two years <laughs> of an energy startup in the US <laughs> while Trump is president, <laughs> out, <laughs> I come to India and they rope me in to come work with them. Mm-hmm. So it, they're that interesting. The stuff that they're doing, it's amazing. Um, I, I really think like I've kind of found the next big thing in my life right now mm-hmm. with, with that. And the work that we're doing um, and the thing with data and as you personally also must must realize because uh, you're somewhat from that line as well is that data is massive it is the next big oil um, yes, yeah. You know? yeah. yeah so uh, and most of the problems that remain in data is how humans interact with data mm-hmm. um, it's the human connection problem. And that's one of the biggest problems that, that we are solving at Atlin. So it's, it's definitely very exciting. I've been there for a month and uh, oh, wow. I'm, it's a relatively new. Yeah, it, 
new and okay. and i am i'm just up at night <laughs> just thinking about how to how to help them you know get to the next big stage how to get this out to the world and what really really excites me is that every single person i've met in that company is my kind of nerd Got you it. know what i was talking about at the beginning of the interview like people who like learning yeah sometimes without an objective sometimes without a goal sometimes not for a paycheck or learning or for learning time. sake yeah yeah and every single one i keep asking varun uh, who's uh, one of the co-founders of this company uh, good friend uh, now <laughs> and uh, he and i sometimes like we take flights together and i remember asking him on a flight how did you manage that i couldn't do it in my startup how do you manage to get every single person and there's like 70 odd people in this company and how do you manage to get every single one who is so amazing and like the same kind of you know nerdy and intelligent and smart and i don't know it's, it's i guess it's about building culture right it's, it's yeah yeah and yeah, so that's <laughs> that that's um, that's your current yeah. um, sort of um, what part of your time you are dedicated to uh, atlan right now is it so i uh, so the you know it's, it's like with a startup right it's kind of like uh, it's it, there's no timings <laughs> yeah it's it's 24/7 uh, sure yeah so sure, and, it's, uh, and, uh, and it's because i like doing yeah yeah and if you had to summarize like i mean this probably is a whole other podcast and i'd love to even have uh atlens folks on if uh, yeah. uh, if possible love to have them like what is the um you you talked about you know data and human interaction with the data and that seems to be like the high byte order mm-hmm. uh, vision for atland and right. um and and it's not like specifically to energy or anything like that it's data for any sort of industries right. how do you uh, is that like how do you collect how do you use how do you interpret it's all aspects of data is that yeah so so um obviously without you know um, going into too much of of depth here it's it's basically so so if you imagine so there's um you know what what hubspot has done yeah, for for inbound uh, marketing yeah yeah for inbound marketing uh what github has done for engineers right um mm. what they've done is created a home for all of these diverse personas who work with marketing to come to have an icon on their desktop or their phones that's a hubspot right yeah. so it's a home for anyone and everyone who's uh, in marketing right? right github has done the same thing for engineering right so what atlan aims to, and you can't really think of anything that's for data for for end to end you know consumption processing and analysis and and output of data you, you, i can't think of anything and this is how varun sold me he tracked <laughs> me with this thing because he said that and i i could i could imagine it i could right. visualize it like yeah. oh yeah you're right <laughs> there's nothing for <laughs> like you know there's there's excel on one hand and tableau and power bi yeah. and that those are output tools and then on one hand you have like these black boxes of like amazon aws and aws s3 and and this and that and i can't think of a single item uh, the icon on my desktop that that you know i can go and and i can be home yeah you know in a in a different sense so it's it's amazing so i so atlan's goal is to be that one icon on your desktop that says data home for data teams so wow. it, that's how they, he caught me <laughs> he, he knew he knew what would get to me so he caught me with that that's so, um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it's not it's not related to energy or sustainability mm-hmm. specifically. But um, what I what I am thinking long term, and as we are, is that this is something that benefits any and every industry, right? Of which sustainability and energy is definitely a subset, right? Yep. Um, because uh, like I said this to to Varun and the others as well. Um, I could have definitely used something like this when I was working in the utility. Like I said, the first three, four months, it was just all like trying to gather data. Gather data yeah. Yeah. And, and no one knows where the data is because no one has worked <laughs> on modernizing. So I have to like go around asking different departments, this and that, and, you know, trying to collect mm. everything, put it in one orderly fashion and then use it. I could have definitely used this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, no, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Sort of really organizing. I mean, the data relevant for a particular problem in this example of, you know, yeah, AEP yeah. trying to modernize yeah. the grid. I mean, imagine having a, yeah. Imagine having a GitHub for data sort of thing for them. Yeah, you could have probably exactly. saved a bunch of time and actually yeah. got into solutions <laughs> sooner. Exactly. I could have saved four months. At least I know personally, I could have saved four months and, and awesome. you know what four months means in, in yeah. an environment like that. So yeah, definitely interesting. So, um, definitely excited to be with them, to join them, see how far uh, I can work with them. I was looking for a good vacation, but this is better. <laughs> for a person like me, this is this is much better. I would have I would have gone crazy if I had nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, it's a data data vacation. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, <laughs> and it's like your your story of your life. I mean, you're always attracted to. Not only the new shiny thing, but also yeah. following your curiosity and yeah. where it yeah. leads you. Yeah. And really, what's that's... the worst that can happen? That right. yeah, I mean, the worst that can happen here is that I'm not of value to them, or yeah. this turns out to be not interesting, which does not seem to be the case yeah. uh, either way. But uh, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. That's fine. You know, yeah. people waste months of their life on on TikTok, yeah. whatever that right. is. <laughs> <laughs> a lot about that in India. Uh, you know, people are swiping on, on Tinder and uh, spending time scrolling on Facebook. I might as well do this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, oh, hey. if that was hard your viewers who might also enjoy Facebook, but I'm Right, saying, yeah, no, there's, there's nothing wrong like you started out saying in, in, in the beginning. I mean, if that makes you happy, right. go all in. <laughs> yeah, go for it. This is just what makes me happy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, Titak, I think we're towards the end of the interview. Just yeah. uh, really enjoyed the conversation. I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, just a few quick questions to make it a little more fun. Um, again, there's a quick question, but you don't have to answer them quickly. Um, sure. <laughs> um, and I'm sure you get these questions quite a lot. I try to make them interesting, but uh, really at the end of the day, I want to see what others can take away from it. Mm-hmm. Any? Um, um, this is actually a... Heavy question. I'll start with a heavy question, maybe. Okay. How are you helping people and how do you think people can help you? Um, I think I have a certain uh, knack for uh, doing things um, that other people probably don't take up. And there, mm. is, uh, there is a demand for, for such services and such people who are willing to take risks and yeah. who are willing to die upon that hill. Yeah. Uh, and I, I feel like I can provide that service because of who I am, because of my natural curiosity to follow shiny objects and so on and so forth. Um, uh, I'm often willing to do that in life, uh, to take those risks and see, yeah. you know, if this is a failure, then 
I think the ultimate value that I can add to this world is be the biggest failure than that ever has existed. So people at least know that from this body of failing, okay, well, this is what not to do. Um, yeah. Something I think I can provide uh, to people and uh, how people can help me is just, um, I don't know, just, uh, I guess just reach out to me and talk to me, you know, because I, like I said, I love learning. So um, if different people come and talk to me, they, they teach me, everyone teaches you something. So that's, that's how you can help me. I can't predict uh, what I'll get from different people, but um, it'd be great to learn from a bunch of people coming in and talking to me. So cool. And um, I know you said art is your true love. Uh, if, I, if I were to ask you art or science, I don't think those two are different. No, because one of my yeah, they're not they're not mutually exclusive because you know, like I said, uh, one of the first projects that I did the the one with NASA, yeah. uh, PSGC, that was me using the mathematics of origami to design solar panels that fold. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the, and you you know this way better than I do. But like, the more you go towards the top of any field, you realize that everything is interconnected, right. and right. Uh, you actually can create new value only if you interconnect different dots that seemingly yeah. are unrelated. So, I, I don't think those two are unrelated, and I don't think I have to choose. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, that's a great answer. I really, th I go back to what Steve Jobs had said. I think he said if we were 200 years ago, if we were all um, doing something, we would probably yeah. be Monet's and whoever. I mean, it's yeah. now we have computers, and we're creating art with computers. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> um, uh, how, what's if you have really enjoyed and learned a lot from any particular book that you've gifted to people or recommended to people? <laughs> it doesn't have to be a nonfiction. Or right. It can be anything. It, it could be roomy poetry for all we know. Well, I don't have an autobiography out yet. But <laughs> the talk of your modesty. <laughs> um, no, no, I, I, I really like, and I know it's very basic and it's very mainstream, but it's also a book that is very approachable to uh, anyone and everyone, basically. So pick up any of Malcolm Gladwell's books. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think they're fantastic. Um, just to have a quick read to kind of spark your mind uh, into yep. thinking. Um, then there's, um, mm, I, I forget, it's a long title. Uh, it's um, something like, um, I, I'll get back to you. I'll have, that's I, that's I, great, I yeah. I'll put it in name. the notes. Uh, yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's by uh, someone named Johnson and it's called uh, uh, The History of Innovation, How Play Changed the World, uh, something like ah. that. So I, I can't, it's because it's a long title. I can't remember sure. the exact sequence, but it's one of my favorite books. It's amazing. Definitely recommend that. Um, but yeah, I can, I can send you more. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Maybe. Perfect. Perfect. And this, this one is actually, uh, you might take a couple of seconds if you want, or maybe not, but if imagine there's a full moon that the whole world can see, mm -hmm. if you were to write something on it, what would you write? <laughs> <laughs> I am not much of a poet. Okay, if I, if I could write anything on it? Yeah, sure. Anything. Could it be as like long as it's, um, as long as it's just, just not something like I write my name on it or something like that, but uh, anything that's sort of like um, 
a message to the world sort of thing, if you will, or what you think is, or what you believe in, or whatever. Or just it. do it kind of a thing. Got it, got it. Okay. So, so okay, so the, the, the okay, so there's two things. <laughs> the first thing is that uh, it's, a, it's a serious message that basically the question is a message for the world, right? Yeah. That I yeah. want to give out to anyone and everyone I meet. The answer to that is uh, take your work seriously, not yourself. Hmm. That's what I've always said, and I will always say that. So that's that done. But the way you phrase the question was that <laughs> if the whole world could see the moon, yeah. in that case, I would probably write, "Yeah, sorry, guys, the flat earthers were right." Because, <laughs> Why do you say that? <laughs> because if the entire world can see the moon right. at the same time, <laughs> then it's flat Earth. <laughs> wow, what Which an irony! I will many, many uh, bets. <laughs> Uh, we all learned something new. <laughs> awesome. Um, and just the last question. And uh, again, I'd love to um, open up if you had something in mind that I didn't talk of. But if people wanted to help you, talk to you, meet you, what's the best way to reach you? Um, you can reach me on LinkedIn. Um, again, I might not accept right away because uh, I have like this long list of like thousands of people. Uh, uh, requesting me on, on LinkedIn, but I think LinkedIn or Instagram is a more personal way to get, get in touch with me. Um, these are the two primary sure. social medias that I'm on. I don't really use Facebook any much anymore. Um, and, uh, other than that, um, if you're interested in, in, in my work or, or from a more professional standpoint, definitely feel free to go check out, uh, atlin.com, uh, because cool. that's my current passion. So definitely comes help uh, us with that. You know, uh, we're looking for bright, talented people all all, all the time. Uh, we're looking for people who want to work with us, so on and so forth. So yeah, do come check us out. Um, I think you'll like it. Perfect. Thanks, Titak. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, uh, there's a lot of things I wanted to touch on also in terms of your passions for creating this futurist archives and what was behind that, the story behind that. Um, and then just like explore some more of uh, who Tirtak is, but hopefully we'll get another chance to uh, yeah, absolutely. Up, uh, <laughs> Thanks a lot, Tirtak. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And uh, please uh, uh, do send me that book uh, in yeah, yeah, I will. when you can, I will. and uh, we'll we'll uh, keep it connected on online. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank Take you care. so much. Yeah.